welcome to Everything True Detective, our podcast on HBO's True Detective. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko. Both of our microphones are recording this time, Mm. and we are going to talk about episode seven of True Detective. I think your your microphone just got tired of hearing what you had to say <laughs> about True Detective. Um, called, hold on, let me pull up the bad uh, hardcore band name title here. Black Maps and Motel Rooms. <laughs> We're Black Maps and Motel Rooms and uh, I'm going to scream until I start spitting blood. Yeah. Let's go. Um, so I think the Really kind of the, obviously the biggest thing, and really maybe the only thing to talk about with this episode, I'll say this, it only took seven hours, but we got a good episode of True Detective. Hey, there it is. I mean, it was all right. It was as good, it was as good of an episode as this season could have, I would say. Yeah, no, no, I'm going to say that, that, yes, I thought last night's episode was good. Yeah. And it was good because... The character stuff was kept to a minimum, and the story stuff was pushed up. Yes. Finally. Yeah. And guess what? The story, as convoluted and confusing as it is, is interesting. Even though I've had to read two or three Reddit explanations of what is actually (laughs) going on. Having read those things, I'm interested, right? Having not read those things... I had no idea what was going on. Right. Uh, But let's talk about Paul's death. Um, Jumping right there. You're not even letting me warm up. Nope. I hate that Paul died. Hmm. I thought it was unwarranted. It doesn't make any sense logistically, right? Like, why is... um, his name is Burris. Why is Burris at that door? Like literally five minutes before you had a character say, these tunnels run under the entire city. And Burris just happens to be behind the door that Paul stumbles out of, right? Yeah, they were making a lot of noise in that tunnel. I will say that. There's some gunshots and some splashing and uh, some grunting. So Okay. That has nothing to do with what door he's going to walk out of. Yeah. No- and it also raises another question. What exactly was Paul's plan? He he point? takes Holloway captive, right? Right. He's to whip him. He no. He literally he has the guys put their guns and flashlights down, and then he takes like five steps backwards and pistol whips the guy and runs away. It's like mm-hmm. maybe you should have like backed up a little bit further than that. Like what what was his plan? Just to get far enough into the shadows to be able to hide around a corner. Right. Like it just made that whole sequence made no sense at all. I mean, it was kind of cool to see Paul yeah. go into, yeah. you know, God warrior mode. Desert mode. Right. But it just didn't make any sense. Well, okay. I will say, first off, I, I completely agree with anybody. Please, if you like the fact that Burris just stepped out from a, a dark corner at a tunnel exit and shot him please i'm begging you write in and explain yourself yeah because that is just one of the most frustrating tropes where you're just like this character needs to die let's give him a cool exit up until you know 
well, how's he actually going to get shot? Uh, Burris falls out of a tree and his gun accidentally <laughs> goes off and shoots him in the head. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. okay, it, it really is just tacked on to yeah. be like, you know, so it undercuts everything in the sense of, so this guy was just sitting out there the whole time, mm-hmm. like just waiting like up. At least I know a tunnel is coming out of right. why yeah. I, I agree with that. I will say no, like that he's assuming that Paul is going to kill everyone inside of the tunnels and escape. Right. Like, why would he be operating under that assumption in the first place? Why is anybody waiting for Paul to escape from the tunnels? Right. He went down there with six members of uh, an elite uh, militia armed to the teeth and the chief of police. Right. Like, why is he assuming that Paul's going to escape from that? <laughs> right. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess my my issue with it is that his his the way they died didn't just negate in some ways the, the shootout. Um and the maybe too hastily pistol whipped police chief. Mm-hmm. Look, he was also a big man. So he's a hard guy to maybe maneuver. I don't keep care. going back. You take more than five you take you step back more than five feet. Okay. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. And then he doesn't have the guys kick their guns away. He just has them put them at his at their feet. Right. All they have to do is bend over and pick up their guns. <laughs> <laughs> so my my issue is by killing Paul, um, you then undercut all that quote unquote character work. I use air quotes. I'm still using air quotes. I'm gonna mm-hmm. use them for the rest of the episode. <laughs> That you've done about this this person. Uh-huh. So we kind of went back and forth a little bit early on about his wrestling with his identity, uh-huh. with you know who he is. And I felt like Pizzolato was maybe thinking he was being more mm-hmm. sneaky than he was or or subtle. And now I realized he really did think that he was doing some carefully considered character work with his writing. Mm-hmm. And this just throws that all into contrast of like, that was terrible. Mm-hmm. The, what you thought was kind of subtle character work of a man wrestling with who he really is, was just ham fisted on the surface. You know, I, I, I read someone's review. Or I, can't, I, I listened to somebody's review and they were talking about the emotional impact of that scene and thinking about his, his um, girlfriend, fiance, who was watching Splendor in the Grass and maybe feeling like they could be a family mm-hmm. and thinking back to all the, I think she said this line, oh, it was the AV Club. It was a John, John Tady has a, mm-hmm. has like a podcast or a video podcast review. Mm-hmm. And the person he had him with him was like, you know, she's remembering all the, you know, kind of believing that they could maybe be a family and all the sweet things they said to her. And I was like, he didn't say any sweet things to her ever. Right. Ever, ever, right. ever. The sweetest thing he said to her is, this isn't me. This right. isn't me. This is you. That's that's the sweetest thing he ever said to her. Right. And so I'm like, that character was ridiculous. And the fact that now he's dead makes me feel like, okay, he's dead. Like, I have no emotional attachment to this guy who spent the majority of, of his time brooding over you know, who he really was mm-hmm. and not being able to accept it. And, um, and his buddy kind of says that when they're down in the sewer, he's like, 
If you could just accept yourself, no one would have anything on you. Oh my gosh. The the problem I have with that is again, it comes down to first of all, the same thing that with his gay buddy. It's all coincidence. So first of all, that that scene where it cuts to his girlfriend, his fiance, having some sudden revelation through no act of Paul's, it's all it's just coincidental. She's watching this thing and oh, maybe this thing could work. Paul has done they the them oh, as yeah. a couple. Paul has done nothing to earn that redemption in in terms of their relationship. That scene is purely there as emotional manipulation for the audience. Paul's dying. You don't feel bad enough that Paul's dying? Here's his girlfriend. And then through no fault of Paul's or no accomplishment of Paul's, she suddenly has this revelation that, oh, it could work. And now, and then, so then you as the audience is like, oh, man, they really could have made it work. Oh, and now he gets shot in the back of the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like it's pure manipulation. There's, there's no point to it whatsoever. Um, but I do disagree. I liked Paul. I thought his... I thought the struggling with his sexuality was done well. The other stuff of his with his character that was his character. What it other was the stuff majority of, his of it? There's, talking about? there's like his relationship with his girlfriend was terrible. Yeah, that was and that was like five percent of okay. his screen time. I I liked his struggling with his sexuality. I thought that was done well, the, and the, I I don't think it was I don't think it was being treated as anything. I think that was just his character. The, the reason why this episode was so good is because it dropped all the side plots. Annie, all of a sudden, is not brooding about her family. Sure. Right? She's like hugging her dad and hugging her sister, which you know is going to Im- implicate them in the further conspiracy because it's not going to just end beautifully for Annie. And then you have no talk of adoption between Frank and Jordan, right? right. The last mm-hmm. two episodes. Yeah. And their storyline has gotten better. And then you have no kind of brooding, driving down the highway, trying to outrun your who you are with Paul. And it gets better. But in his little donut chart of mm-hmm. time spent on his mm-hmm. character, he's just introduced in this last episode another 2% kind of new addition, which is basically him meeting with Annie and Ray and saying, uh, I have to get home. Mm-hmm. I have to leave. Mm-hmm. That's now he says that sometimes when he's with them, but ninety percent is him brooding about his homosexuality, and ten percent is him, or five or eight percent is him dealing with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and then two percent is him saying he has to go home. All right. Well, I liked that ninety percent. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing I didn't like was all the coincidence surrounding it, right? So you have, first of all, you have Teague Dixon, whose um, who's, uh, surveillance of Paul is literally chalked up to, yeah, he always had a good nose for finding these guys out or something like that. So that's coincidence number one. He had a good gaydar. Co- yeah, coincidence number two is they just happen to find all those photos in his apartment after he dies. Coincidence number three is that his gay lover that worked for Black Mountain was tasked to check up on him to make sure after the controversy with the woman, with the celebrity woman, that to make sure that he wasn't going to crack under that pressure. 
And then, oh, guess what? That company just so happens to be bought out to serve as catalyst surveillance. And now he's being used to blackmail Paul. And it just is like, it's it's too much. Like, this yeah. is, that that's terrible. That's yeah. just terrible writing, I guess. Um, so all of that, all of those coincidences really bothered me. Um, and yeah, like you said, my... My submission for too gratuitous, not gratuitous enough or just right is his line in the middle of this hostage negotiation where he says, if you had just been honest about who you are, no one would have been able to run you. You know that, right? And just like, okay, buddy, like we got it. Like we've gotten that for the past six episodes. That was so like that was on the level of the whatever the sister's opening line was to Annie about like, you just accuse people of doing everything you hate yourself for whatever she says. Right. It was so on the nose. That really was terrible. Too gratuitous. Yes, absolutely too gratuitous. So Paul's death stinks, right? It (sighs) stinks because I liked Paul. Okay. And I think it, and I also think it stinks just because it's completely unwarranted in the show. No, it it makes sense in terms of, so now they have Annie because she made a guy bleed out at a party where literally everyone minus the president of the United States, who was probably just in the basement doing some kind of weird sex act was at, Mm -hmm. so they have Annie because of that. And then now they're framing Ray or they're trying to frame Ray um, for the murder of Annie's boss. I forgot her name now. Davis. Catherine Davis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, Which apparently they used one of Ray's guns to kill her. Right. So Paul is the only guy who right. they don't have. So he had to be killed. So I, you know, I understand why, why they went after him the way that they did. Mm-hmm. But I, my issue is more with what his death does to his entire character before that, which mm-hmm. to me m- m- pulls out all the glaring flaws of his character and shows you how ridiculous it was, mm-hmm. um, how ridiculous he was written. And then with the way that he was killed, those, those are my issues. So do you feel like you have a good understanding of the story of the show and like what, needs to be resolved or where it's heading in the final episode. I had to read about it okay, as well. So you yes. did. So have you seen all the predictions that the set photographer kid is the Birdman? The set? So in episode three, when mm-hmm. they go to visit the movie set with the busted ass Kerry Fukunaga director, <laughs> they talk to a set photographer who knows about the parties, kind of, Mm-hmm. And knows that their director goes to the parties or has been to the party parties. And from the get go, Reddit predicted that that kid was involved in some way. And so now they think that that kid was one of the kids that was orphaned by the blue diamond robbery and that he is the bird man mm-hmm. exacting revenge on Casper. Yeah. yeah. Which I, kind of explains why he wouldn't have killed Ray. Right. But at the I, same time, it's kind of like, why is he there with like rubber bullets in his shotgun to begin with? Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> so 
I, I now completely believe that. I, you do? I, yeah, those, those kids have the best motivation for committing the revenge killings the way that they are. And apparently the girl is was the secretary for Casper, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. was also at the sex parties? I don't know that she was... Was she at the sex okay. parties? I no. don't remember. No, okay. I'm going to say she wasn't at the sex parties, but she was... Casper's, Casper's Yeah. Now, I went back and watched that scene with the set photographer, and it didn't give me... like I didn't feel like there was anything there to be like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, but the one connection I did draw, oh, I, uh, which I should probably mention, after episode six... My wife was like, was the first season like this, right? Because she doesn't care for the this season either. And I said, no, the first season was awesome. And you rewatched the so first. So we rewatched the first episode. Awesome. And it was awesome. Um, and I think, I think we either watched the second episode directly after that. I want to say that's what we did. So we watched the first two episodes back to back and it was great. And then it was on Thursday night. We ended up watching episodes three through eight. Whoa. We stayed up until three o'clock in the morning what? watching the rest of the first season because it was like she was super into it. And that first season is minus episode eight is fantastic super good i will say that like rust's character starts to wear a little thin by the end of the first season um i think some of that is just because the that last episode stinks it it's bad and he towards the end of the last episode he starts to really go on his monologues and it's just like kind of like enough for and look we had just watched like five straight hours yeah yeah i can't (laughs) I'm I'm still getting over that. Yeah. But anyways, in the third episode of the first season, you get your first glimpse of Errol, who ends up being the central mysterious figure of the first season. So if that kid is the Birdman, is the killer, we also get a brief glimpse of him in episode three, which is another like... Pizzolatto ripping himself off, I guess, <laughs> just being unoriginal, maybe. Right. So that's the only connection I can make. Other than that, his dialogue is pretty completely unmemorable. There's really nothing to it. So I don't know how much of that I believe. I was kind of on board with it until I rewatched the scene, and it just seems insignificant to me. That's not to say that it's he's Wrong. not going to. Be, I mean, it makes sense no, to me. I, I, I 100% think that those kids are going to be seen as the as the eventual killing which uh, i'm I, i'm not going to toot my own horn but i will say that i saw that figure as some sort of like revenging mm-hmm. you know evil unleashed um and in terms of you know paying back these people for their sins now frank it doesn't my my prediction falls through because i thought it's going to be more targeted at frank and Ray and all them, mm-hmm. but it seems to be these these higher ups. It seems to be in terms of the conspiracy, Frank, Annie, and Ray are the incidentals to the actual conspiracy. Mm-hmm. You know, which 
I'm I thought I was going to focus more on Frank as kind of the the center of at least or being more of a center of the conspiracy. But he's he's now just as incidental as as they are. Mm-hmm. They're all on the outside mm-hmm. trying to either get back in or or bring it down from the outside. So what did you think of Frank's story in this episode? He finds out that he's been completely... Well, first of all, he confronts Blake, kills Mm -hmm, him. What did you think of that scene? Well, I I have to say another reason why I think this is a good episode is because it actually had some visual style. Mm -hmm. It actually had some directorial authorship on it where it made me think... Oh, this is actually like shot well, mm-hmm. and where Frank smashes that glass against um, Blake's head mm-hmm. in slow motion, I thought it was actually like well done. Mm-hmm. That that looked good. Yeah. So Frank, I have to say, is actually coming alive a little bit for me especially once they drop this kind of adoption thing and he still is playing it too, you know, like too brooding. So when he's like, uh, his lackey or whatever, it's like Jordan's here and he's like, mm-hmm. let her in. Mm-hmm. And he's like just standing there on the other side of the body, just seeing how she'll react or whatever. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, guy. Let's let's tone it down a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, but no, I'm I'm invested in Frank. I I love the fact that he burnt down yeah his clubs. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, I really like that. And so um, no, I I and I I liked the killing Blake scene because mm-hmm. I, I too am like, there's no way that after convincing Ray on another bum deal to try and get this information that he's going to then do an agreement with Blake. Mm-hmm. So the fact when he killed him, I was like, yeah, of course you have to kill him. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, which, which is another reason why I like this episode because Frank and Annie's character, I feel like they actually represented characters who are reacting as if they really are in the positions they're in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're right. Annie does a good job of that as well. Um, with confronting what she's done to the mobster mm-hmm. or the bodyguard and sort of uh, her past as well. And I was somewhat surprised to see that her dad is just kind of like a, as is just kind of like a nice weirdo. You know what I mean? Like he's not really involved in it at all. He's going to be more involved. No. You think? Yes. No, I don't think so. Why not? I think he's just a, a goofball <laughs> that that first so when he was running the good people that his first commune, I have, yeah i have no idea that was up north where all this kind of shady business with uh with that um russian was she russian prostitute that was with casper mm-hmm. who they ended up slaughtering in that house basically mm-hmm. um no she wasn't russian but she was um but that that was all like his good where some of these bad guys came out of the good people, mm-hmm. including the man who kidnapped his daughter. Mm-hmm. He he is more involved, whether it's just 
providing the girls, you know, for some of these sex parties uh-huh. early on. There's no way that he was so close to it for so long. And maybe he's making penance for what he was involved with back uh-huh. then. But he has some dirt on his hands. I don't know. I don't see that. I really think he just is like a nice dummy type of guy. You're blind. <laughs> All right. Um, should we talk about uh, Ray's small talk ability? Or- Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so Ray has a couple of pretty great moments in this episode. The shining pearl of this <laughs> episode belongs to him. Absolutely. When, uh, uh, what's his name? Paul calls him up and says, I think I'm walking into something. And Ray's response is, then don't. <laughs> just like, all right. And he's like, uh, gotta go. <laughs> yeah. And he just does it anyway. Like, yeah. And then he's talking to in the, in the, um, the lead up to the, uh, unfortunate, hookup that ray and annie have he he says they're just staring at each other and he says do you miss it and she goes what and he goes he literally goes uh anything (laughs) what what are you talking about (laughs) he's talking about it all (laughs) like yeah no wait a minute literally what are you talking about when you say do you miss it can you please explain that the, the scene ends right before he just looks at her and goes, I'm so, I just really don't know what to say to you right now. I'm, just, I'm really not good in these situations. I'm just, I'm just, I, I really want to talk about the weather, and I don't know why that came out of my mouth. But, uh, but anyway, I guess just answer it. She yeah. doesn't answer it, right? No, no. It just cuts away to something else. Okay. And then it cuts, yeah, it cuts away to something else, and then I think it cuts back to them hugging. <laughs> right? And then they start making out. That and that cutback to them hugging is ridiculous, right? Like their hookup period is stupid. It's just is like it's it's the epitome of like, yeah, we've got a guy and a girl character in here. What can they do? Well, they, they can hook up. Who cares? No, yeah, they obviously can't talk about anything right. because <laughs> one guy doesn't know how to talk. Yeah. So I guess they're just gonna have to screw. Yeah. So. I hated that. I, that didn't. I mean, who knows? I guess we'll see what ramifications it has. But she's pregnant. Oh my god! Do you think we're ever going to find out who is Chad's father? I um, mean, there's one. There's, there's one, one episode ninety left. minute episode left. I think. I think we got the answer that we're going to get when Ray is like, "I'm your father, no matter what people say." So, you know, whether he is or isn't, he believes he is. So there you go. Raise his father by sheer will. Uh, where is Pitt Laura at? That's another question I have. The psychiatrist slash plastic yeah. surgeon that Ray he's getting possibly pl- murdered? Who knows? He's getting plastic surgery. Where is he at? What happened to him? He's repairing all the damage done. Hmm. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ray killed him. But I mean that has to be like addressed, right? Hmm. I mean he's just disappeared. Um my prediction for the last episode. I believe that since Paul died, 
Everyone else is going to die. They've got to. Paul's a precursor? Yes. Ray and Annie are dead. I think Frank lives. This is what I'm hoping happens with Frank. I hope Frank lives, and I want him to not go after the money and just leave with his wife. Right? I think that's what's going to happen. He's just going to Burn the clubs. Right. Burn the clubs. We took what we had. Because at one point in this episode, his wife is like, how much do you have? How much do you have liquid? Something like that. Something, Something stupid like that. And he's like 200, 300K. And then they have that line about Applebee's or whatever. I think that's what they're going to do. That's what he'll do. He'll just be like, you know, they'll have the scene where it's like, you're going to die if you do this. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like real, mm-hmm. real intense or whatever. And then they're just going to be like, peace out and fly away or something. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's why I would do either that or he's going to get the money somehow and just rip everybody off. Right. Because he was like promising all these people, all this money. Oh yeah. He's not paying them. Yeah. Mm-mm. But I think the cops are dead. Annie and Ray. Annie and Ray. Who kills them? Just the, yeah, the bad guys. The conspiracy. Yeah. So this has a another night or not another. This has a nihilistic ending where season I think, one had a hopeful ending. I think they Ray and Annie walk into their bedroom to, you know, do what adults do. And when they close the door, they burst is behind the door and just <laughs> pops them both. I'm I'm sticking with my prediction. They, um, Annie is about to be murdered. Ray gives his life to save her, and she ends up escaping with her life. I'm going to say after they're hooking up, I would absolutely hate that. That would be such a stupid ending. All right. Well, that's all I've got for this episode. Uh, well, I wanted to talk about. Um, Frank's repeating oh, right. list. <laughs> right. So Frank hands the uh, the the bakers his list of uh, provisions he needs for half a million dollars or whatever he's going to pay them. And I guess somebody screen capped it, of course. And and I, I yeah, and basically the list repeats <laughs> <laughs> and the stuff he's asking for is like 10 flash grenades, right? Four Kevlar vests or whatever. Right. And you read down and then down at the bottom, it again says 10 flash grenades, <laughs> four Kevlar vests. And it's different handwriting. Like somebody <laughs> didn't, didn't just copy paste like the bottom, the top to the bottom. Yeah. They literally wrote it out twice. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, want to know, is that, do you think that they're smart enough to know that people are, based on the first season, way reading into everything? Mm-hmm. So they're just giving everyone like an Easter egg to be like, here, screen cap this. Right. Go talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they're smart enough to do that? Or do you think they're like, that we need to make that list look longer? No, just I feel like they it. would have to be, right? They, they would, it, after the first season... And my whole motto, this entire thing, has been that he's answering his critics, answering all the people that tore apart the first season in a good way. He ha- You have to be aware of that. I mean, there's no way. So my second question is, is that a funny joke? 
Do you like it? Yeah, I do like it. I think that is a funny <laughs> joke. <laughs> I think it's funny too because the list is so outrageous too. If you yeah. look at it, it's like, is this how Frank is he going to use <laughs> ten flash grenades? He's, right. he's asking for ten. Really, he's asking for twenty. Yeah. You know what yeah. is he? What? How is this final shootout going to go? If Frank has his way, we're not seeing any of it because it's going to be covered in smoke. Yeah. You're just going to see Frank throwing Everyone's going to be blind. Wildly around. It's going to be like a like the worst fireworks display yeah. ever. Um, the other issue that... So I wanted to bring up two other issues that I, I noticed. Number one, Frank has still not learned how to wait till somebody <laughs> has left the room to throw his tantrum. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. He, he rips his uh, blackjack table apart. Yeah, Ray yeah. comes in and shares all the news that he's learned. And yeah. you can still see Ray in the background. <laughs> and during the whole exchange, Frank has played it pretty, like, kind of cool. Right. And just, like, taking it all in. And he literally rips his, his <laughs> thing apart. And I'm like, is, is Vince Vaughn just, like, jumping his cues, yeah. you know? Like, was... Uh, was Colin Farrell supposed to pick up the pace a little bit, but I just found it odd that in all these things, it's like the door is closing right as Frank <laughs> screams about the Russians, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, or yeah, Ray's in the background as he rips up his table. Yeah. Uh, so Frank needs to work on that. Yeah. It's also like, I'm, I wonder how taxing it was to be like, all right, here's another, uh, Frank, Frank's going to freak out again. What are we going to put near him? Right. Cause it's like he smashed a glass. He's yelled. Now he has to tear this table apart. Like what's next like prop guy's just getting tired of like thinking right. of all these things. Like Frank's mad again. Right. Let's, let's put a pig by him. He's going to slaughter the pig <laughs> and put this, uh, put this uh, dog right here. Just kick him in the ribs or something. <laughs> uh, the last, the last thing, this is totally minor, but I, I was just, I was wondering, because you watch every episode twice. Mm-hmm. So when, and first off, I I also, I really liked when Ray uh, found Catherine Davis in the car. Yeah, it was great. I love Yeah, he, just, he just took like, off. Yeah, he just <laughs> sat down, he looks over, he's like, just gets out and just leaves. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I thought that was, that was awesome. And I also love the way he shot. And again, John Tady on his kind of video recap really quick mentions this, but there is a beat of recognition. I was going to say this even before I heard him say it, but there's a beat of recognition where you realize she's dead mm-hmm. before Ray realizes. He mm-hmm. gets in the car and you're like, what? what's going on? And then he sees and the music kicks in and then he's out of there. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that scene was done really, really, really well. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Uh, I was kind of curious to just see like the inner workings of how they found out where she would be and everything, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, and I think the, the, I think it's a problem, you know, like I've said, like this season is, was boring. I and I feel like maybe some of this stuff should have been written into earlier in this, like, you know what I mean? Like instead of having the last out two and a half hours of your eight and a half hour hour long series be really exciting and the first six hours be like you know pretty boring maybe you spread this stuff out a little bit yeah i i feel that way too and and i feel like 
there are little things I would like to see. How does Annie react to her death? That was right, her boss, yeah. right? Yeah. There's no scene of Ray being like, oh, by the way, yeah, your boss is dead. And this has come up a lot, and I, I it makes sense, but everyone is saying that like the series, this season is paced like a novel. You know, Nick Pizzolatto is a novelist first and foremost, and it's kind of written and paced how a novel would be. You know what I mean? So it's like, in a book, you would be getting all of this stuff right at the end. Right now. Instead of, you know, spread throughout. Yeah. I, I feel like your your mystery is so convoluted and there's so many characters there. We could have really delved into that. Yeah. You really could have shortened Paul's struggle with who he is, you know? Right. A whole lot. And really kind of fleshed out some of these side characters who I think are interesting, right? Um, and and really deepened and darkened the mood and the mystery mm-hmm. surrounding it. But I just felt like this season had no time for that. Yeah. You know, it's like the season is like, no, we gotta get to this other thing that doesn't matter. And I wish that they would have just given more time over to to the mystery and allowing the characters to be revealed in and through that mystery. Mm-hmm. Having seeing. Paul react to, you know, the police chief and everything down the sewer did more character work for him than all the scenes of him fighting with his, Mm -hmm. with his girlfriend, Mm -hmm. you know, him having some sort of understanding of his, of who he is and coming to terms with that was there in the scene a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I wish that Pizzolatto would have just given into that a little more mm-hmm. and uh, helped reveal the character through the story instead of exactly character as character as character. That's exactly what I was just story. about to say. You need to the characters need to be revealed as they're progressing your story along instead of here's forty minutes of character work and here's twenty minutes of story work. That's exactly. how it was separated. And even thinking back to season one, um, you learn about Rust Cole as he's investigating this crime. You don't get six hours of Rust, Rust Cole Rust, and then the Rust. investigation starts. You know, yeah. there's a scene where um, they're going to ask mechanics, I think, just some questions mm-hmm. about something. And they're not they're not answering the they're not giving them the answers they want. So Rust goes back in and roughs them up. But you're mm-hmm. like you're you're progressing the story along and you're also seeing, wow, Rust is kind of maybe unhinged a little bit. And the last thing that I'll see, too, is what people praised about the first season and what I really liked were the car rides, the conversations. Mm-hmm. But they're always going to or coming from right. something that moved the story. So you found a way. I think a really interesting and novel way to show his character in motion. Mm-hmm. So it's not just them at a bar. There are some scenes like that, mm-hmm. but you don't just go to these static shots of tell me about yourself or let's talk or whatever, but they are talking about the case or going someplace for the case. And you're getting those character moments within that, mm-hmm. but it's, but they're in motion. And I feel like that's what this season needed a little more of is the characters in motion. You know, 
um, because as they are, they are they are not moving. You know, yeah. until until now, right. until, until this now. last episode, and it's and great. it's interesting. It's in, I know I saw you pull back on the. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it. Uh, there's only one ninety-minute episode left. One and a half episodes left. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will be back next week, talking about that, wrapping up this season as a whole and I think that'll probably do it and we should probably record our reactions to the shocking finale (laughs) I bet we'd go viral yeah um yeah so I'm Justin Blizzard you can follow me on Twitter I'm at Blizzard with nine Z's I'm here with Keith Krepko I'm at things come right and uh yeah everything we talked about in the show will be in the show notes links to all that stuff you can go to the pod to the website eipodcast.com slash true detective um, to find all that stuff. So uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>